0: My peachy friends out there in podcast land. I hope everyone's doing well. I'm very happy that it's March 2021. So, today I wanted to really talk about National Women's History Month. I've been thinking a lot about it. Of course, I've been thinking and reflecting a lot about uh, Black History Month as well. And so, I wanted to talk about what National History Month means for me. There's only two times of the year that I do spend a lot of time reflecting and reflecting on, you know, these social justices. So Black History Month is a time that I do a lot of reflection and I try to think deeply and have meaningful conversations with people about you know, the progress that we've made as a nation, as a country, as a world um, with racism. I happen to be biracial. My mother is Scottish, German, English, and my dad's African-American. I was born in 1973, and that was a time when interracial uh, marriages were actually just starting to be allowed because they were outlawed, I believe, still in 1970. So of course I was born in 1973 and, you know, I lived through a lot of racism, you know, just from the simple fact that, you know, I was biracial, you know, there's a lot of family members that I don't know because they were racist and didn't believe in interracial marriage. Um, You know, I've experienced a lot of racism because, you know, I'm very, you know, fair-skinned and, you know, Uh, being someone with African American heritage, you know, some people can be very, very fair and, and very, very dark, but, you know, still be African American. So, you know, I've experienced a lot of racism and I've been part of, you know, the white community, the black community, I believe deeply in diversity and that's a core value you know, at our salon, I believe that when you put people of all different types of nationalities together, that is such an, an amazing time to really grow as a person. I, there's nothing that lights my spirit up more than being around people of different cultures. I, cause I love learning and I love learning, um, about different religions and different cultures. And I try to keep an open mind because there's always some sort of, beauty and gem and, you know, every culture and every religion, some wisdom. And when we all get together, we really can learn from each other and really grow as a human being. And that's kind of, you know, the core of, you know, my beliefs is, you know, my grandmother, she was a captain in the woman's army corps and she was one of the strongest women that I've ever known, and very intellectual, and she was on the white side of my family, and uh, I've always admired her so very much for being someone who was very outspoken, very strong, uh, always stood her always stood in her values, and she always stood in um her beliefs, and she spoke up and she wasn't afraid to speak her values, even if someone disagreed. And I think one of the things that I admired the most about her was the fact that she could carry on a whole entire conversation with someone, and that person could have totally different views and ideas as her. And she would never, it was never argumentative. You know, there's a, she always had a deep respect for other people's ideas and views. And she didn't necessarily have to agree with them, but she always gave people their due respect. And I I think that that's one of the things that's disappointing about what's going on here in America right now is that, you know, everyone has a lot of, you know, uh, division as far as their views and ideas. Um, And there's, but it also comes with such a wall of hate and anger. And, you know, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to burn your house down mentality. And, you know, that's not what America was founded on. America was founded on, you know, freedom of speech. And, you know, part of freedom of speech is that sometimes people are going to say some things that you don't agree about. But I do believe our purpose here on earth is, you know, to be able to grow and to evolve as a human being. We're supposed to get better. We're supposed to expand our thoughts, expand our values, you know. And, and sometimes, you know, you might read a book that changed your life and maybe it changes your viewpoint, you know. And, and so for Women's National, you know, History Month, I really wanted to talk about um, some of the people that I believe really help uh, women because, you know, women in our society are at a disadvantage, just like, you know, a lot of minorities are at a disadvantage in some areas. And it's a matter of trying to. Start the conversation, have meaningful conversations with people so we can just try to expand our viewpoints and help other people expand their viewpoints. Because what happens is when people have natural entitlements given to them and they live a life of privilege, they just don't necessarily have the perspective of, say, growing up with, you know, they don't know what it feels like that when you go drive in a car you get pulled over and you're you're getting pulled over by the color of your skin and you know sometimes what always surprises me because of course i'm biracial is that you know when i'm with you know my my black friends and with my white friends there's a total different perspective you know i'm growing up my children look very ethnic. I've had to have conversations with them about how they need to interact with the police. And, you know, my brother, my sons, you know, I see how they are harassed sometimes by police getting pulled over and tickets and things like that. And my white friends aren't. So what happens with me is, you know, because I'm biracial, you know, with I'm um, with my black friends. You know, I can. You know, I look more black if I'm with my white friends. I, you know, I'm looking more white. So I I see the the shift in perspective. Um, and, and the thing is, and I believe like a lot of times in the white community is, is they just don't ha- sometimes have the opportunity to have that experience. And so since they don't have that experience, they don't think it's happening. But being a biracial person, I see, you know, I clearly see it all the time. And um, it's really important that, you know, I know when I meet people, you know, I love to talk about race and I love to talk about, you know, uh, issues facing women. Because my goal is to change hearts, and you know whether you know someone agrees with me or or doesn't maybe I planted a seed and maybe they might look into the matter a little more or possibly read a book or maybe they might enlighten me a little bit um, but the goal is never to hate and just because someone has different views than me does not give me or anyone the right to hate and to be angry at them and all these, you know, different emotions. So, you know, truly believe that, you know, we just have to expand our consciousness (laughs) and love and spread more, you know, really just the law of attraction, the law of abundance, you know, spread that love in the world. But um, I really wanted to talk about you know, women and women in history, one of the uh, females that I really, truly admire so much is um, Madam C.J. Walker. I actually read the book On Her Own Ground, and I believe it was written by her granddaughter. I'll have to look up the books. I don't have it in front of me. I did read it a while ago, but she was the first African-American woman, um, and her parents were slaves, to actually become a multimillionaire in the United States selling like hair care products. And um, after reading the book, it just inspired me so much because it's like no matter what your background, no matter what your... Uh, you know, issues or trials or tribulations. It's like, when you read something like that, you're like, wow, you, you know, you got no excuse. I mean, here's a woman who had to, she was like working, washing, um, you know, the uh, working in the white community, washing their laundry for women. And she just, and her parents were slaves and to go on to be a multimillionaire. But what I realized was, is that, you know, truly, when you allow your trials and tribulations to be your strength, that's what really makes a successful person. And so, you know, we can either be a victim or we can be a victor of our circumstances and our lives. And uh, I read that book so quick. So I definitely would recommend reading Madam C.J. Walker. And it's on her own ground, I believe. Let me just look it up real quick because I'm sitting here at my computer. So Madam CJ Walker. Uh let's see here. Yes, on her own ground. Okay. Yeah, the 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 life and times of Madam CJ Walker. I believe it was written by her granddaughter, but I'd have to, you know, fact check that. And That it was just an amazing book. You know, she was a hustler. You know, she let her, you know, everything that was against her, (laughs) she turned into her biggest strength. And I believe like that's what we're supposed to do. You know, we're supposed to be the heroes of our own lives. We're supposed to be the, the, you know, (laughs) the. you know, We're supposed to be victorious here on earth and, you know, her life of overcoming and being an entrepreneur, look how inspiring it is, you know, a hundred years later, another book I read that was super amazing. I really loved it was, um, lean in by Sheryl Sandberg. I believe she was one of the, I don't know if it was COO of Facebook wonderful wonderful. What I really liked about her book was and I read this a little more recent was that she talks about leaning in because one of the um women over 65 are more likely to be in poverty than men and uh, women in general are more likely to be in poverty than men because of course a lot of times women step out of the workforce Um, to be caretakers for family, also for raising children. And then what happens is it becomes very difficult to get back in the workforce, you know, once you've been out for a while, because of course you don't have the contacts, you're not doing the networking. um, And sometimes you don't have the confidence to get back in there. And because of that, if you do eventually get back in the workforce, you're taking a significant cut in pay because you have these big gaps in your, you know, your resume. And it leads to a lot of women being in poverty over the age of 65, especially a lot of minority women. I think that the statistics are especially even for, I was really surprised to see that for Hispanic population over the. they had the women, Hispanic women over the uh, age of 65, it's like. 31% of the populations in poverty. And I mean, that's not the time <laughs> to want to be in poverty. You know, while you're young and healthy, <laughs> you want to get out here and make these shekels. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I say to my kids, you know, because you want to do today what your older self is going to be thanking you for. Because, you know, once you start getting older, you're not going to be able to do the things that you could when you were young and healthy. And that's what's really important to think about, um, but in Cheryl Sandberg's book, what she talked about was she said to take a few months off of work for, you know, um, having your children or whatever, but really set up a way for you to get right back in the workforce so that you can maintain your own sense of autonomy and power and, uh, you know, a career and also, you know, cause you never know what can happen. And I mean, this applies to men and women. I mean, you know, a lot of times women will, you know, rely on their husbands and, you know, uh, family members for financial support. But at the end of the day, anything can happen to anyone, you know, your spouse can die and there's no life insurance policy. You know, um, if you're relying on your parents, uh, anything can happen. And then now you're stuck And, you know, you have three kids to raise and you have no income and no one it's like, you know, it's one thing to be in poverty when you're young. But when you're older, that's, you know, kind of not the place to be. Now, I know KF, uh, the guy who invented Colonel Sanders, KFC started his career at 65. So you're never too old (laughs) to get back in the game, you know, if you stay healthy and all. But I always tell people, get out here and get after it while you're nice and young. You know, that's the, the time. That's the opportunity. Um, so her book was just really fascinating, um, as far as just, you know, giving some statistics and highlights as far as, you know, some of the things that women have to go through in the workforce. And a lot of it is just because a lot of women don't necessarily are in leadership positions, own their own businesses, and have their own platform. So they're going into a business, a platform, uh, you know, a nonprofit that's maybe owned or run by a man. And, you know, And so they're, they're, you know, so they're trying to, you know, ask for a seat at the table and, you know, and so she goes into that, you know, but my whole philosophy is don't ask for a seat at the table, go build your own table. (laughs) You don't have to deal with those types of things. That's been my philosophy as far as building my business, you know, because I do know the setbacks that can happen. Um when you're asking for a seat at the table. So my philosophy is build your own table. And then you'll have to ask for a seat at the table. and Then you put whoever you want at that daggone table. <laughs> you know, I believe in diversity. So we're going to have, you know, we'll have one, everybody up in here. So, uh, let's see. Now I was just trying to think about what also I wanted to talk about. Um, Oh, is there any, Oh, Oh, and the other person. Oh, I love I love Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. Oh my gosh, Mr. Wonderful. He's awesome. I don't know if anyone's um, ever watched Shark Tank, but he he's really cool. And he is a man who's like, I just, you know, follow the green, you know? He's like, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. He's like, who's making money out here? And out of all, he took, what's really amazing is he took a look at his portfolio, and he wanted to see, you know, he's running his numbers. Who's successful? Who's not successful? So, out of all of his investments, ninety-five percent um, of his top performing investments were owned or run by women. And I have, and so he really is someone that's out there. And he's really supporting women running businesses, owning businesses, being in leadership positions, being in management positions, because he's saying from looking at his own data, he's saying that 95% of the time in his uh, performing investments, women are hitting their sales goals and men are only hitting their sales goals by 65%. So when he dug a little deeper into that data, He's saying that there was three things that were happening that weren't happening with the businesses that were run by men. So number one was that the women were better at time management. And, you know, so a lot of these, you know, women, obviously, if you've ever been a mother, <laughs> you know, at a multitask, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get the kids to school. I got to get these bills paid. We got the laundry done and we got to get dinner at the table. Oh, and plus we got to get the soccer game. So women have uh, on average from reading Cheryl um, Sandberg's book, A Lean In, on average, four to five extra hours a week of work on, uh, on top of working and the things they have to do more than men. So, you know, women have developed this skill of time management because we do have more work and, you know, I've been married before, so I can, you know, attest to that, (laughs) you know, we're working and then we come home and have more work. So a lot of times that's why women don't necessarily have those higher degrees because if we did have those extra four to five hours a week, then we would have that time to say, maybe go for that master's degree or PhD. So now, um, then Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary also said that women are better at setting realistic goals. And um, and that's another key for having a successful work environment. Because when you're um, hitting your goals, Uh, A realistic goals 95% of the time, what it does is it helps with the company morale. Because if people are constantly not hitting their goals, then that causes a lot of uh, lower morale. And I'm very much aware of that, even for myself, like I like to have a realistic goal. Like, you know, I I do know the big vision, but I, I know even for myself personally, it's like, if, you know, if that goal or vision. is just too far out of reach. It's very demoralizing. I guess it's like there's a, a quote that said, you know, how do you eat a elephant one bite at a time? So I'd rather set the goal for that one bite than kind of set the goal for the ele- elephant. Cause then it's like, oh my gosh, it's, you kind of get overwhelmed and frustrated. So I definitely can understand that. And then number three is listening to critique. So Kevin O'Leary said, lastly, women listen, <laughs> you know, so, you know you know, who are you serving, you know, um, in your business? So, you know, you're serving your customers, you're serving your employees, you know, and, you know, you have to listen to them. So, you know, if you have the ability to have that humility and listen and, you know, I can see how that would be a strong suit of women because, you know, we really are trying to, you know, get our kids to get along. We have to listen to the teachers and take feedback because we want, you know, our kids to grow up and be healthy and strong and, you know, get into college or build a business or all these different things, you know, so, so it's really good. You know, I, I definitely, um, You know, listening, you know, I love even me personally, myself, you know, I can say that that is something that, you know, I've even tried to get better at over the years because I know when I truly listen to my staff members and they give me feedback, it makes a world of a difference. Because a lot of times it's like in your business, there's like all these different pain points. And unless, you know, people are telling you and you can really listen and you can help, you know, solve these problems, just makes the day run smoother and makes everything run really smooth. But, you know, um, one of our core values at the salon is leadership for women. And I do feel strongly and having leadership for women because we're, you know, half of the population or whatever, I don't know how we make up half of the society. And if half of the society is, you know, disenfranchised and, and weaker and not having as much strength right? You know, one of the things I always say to my kids is no matter what you want to be strong, okay, that's what you need to look for, you know, you know, in life, you know, you need to be strong mentally, physically, spiritually, so you can help get over different adversities. And so if half of our population is not strong, we're the ones that are raising the children. You know, I even know for myself, you know, I want my children to do better than me. I want them to be mighty in the land. I want them to be successful. And I work and I'm trying to create a business. So I have a legacy for my children, my family. You know, you know, my kids know that if they wanna to go to college, I'm paying for it. You know, you want to start a business. I'm helping. I'm going to help you pay for it because I want you to be successful. You're my child. I love you. There's no one else in the whole entire world that I love more than my kids and women, you know, feel that strong. So it's like, you know, as women, you know, get more power for for themselves and education and leadership roles and management roles, it's going to make society better because we're, our children's number one coach i mean if the women are stronger it's going to make the men stronger because we're the ones that are raising and bearing the men and if you have a strong mama (laughs) that son's going to be real successful i mean i don't know how many you know men are out there i know um the, the Michael Phelps, his mother, <laughs> is number one fan <laughs> right on his side. I mean, look how many gold medal he has, you know? <laughs> so it's so important for us to have meaningful conversations with our men, because I think the number one thing that really hurts my soul is that You know, as women, we get behind our men and our families, and we support them to no end. We're their cheerleaders, you know. Whatever we can do, we're bearing their children, we're cooking and cleaning, laundry, all these different things. But then when it comes to us, you know, and our dreams and our passions, and you know, making money and and having a career, we don't get the same support. And I see that, you know, cause I have a staff of all women, 22, you know, and I see, you know, a lot of them are married they don't, you know, I see how much effort they're putting into their relationships and they're putting into their careers and their families, and they don't get the same, re- um, they don't get the same support and return. And, you know, it's heartbreaking for me to watch that, you know, and I know how it feels. And so that's the type of conversations that, and, and, and the thing is, a lot of times I just believe that, you know, it's just ingrained in the culture for men to have an entitlement, you know, and it's like, well, who wants to really, you know, change? things if you know you're more comfortable getting all these extra privileges. <laughs> so of course, you know a lot of men don't want to change or say have to do half of the childcare or half of the cooking and half of the work at the house, you know. And it's just about having a partnership with somebody. Having a, a partnership with someone who respects you and supports you as well, you know. And And having meaningful conversations. And that's going to be different for every person, for every relationship. But it really just comes down to respect, respecting each other, having a voice, right? And having, um, you know, and being able to, you know, come together and and have a conversation and have that meaningful conversation. It doesn't mean that we have to 100% agree on everything but it shouldn't be met with anger and violence and, um, um, and feeling that you're less than, you know, I remember one time, um, just as an experiment, I never, I remember, I could never understand since I was a little girl, why I remember like, even like my mom, like I remember like I couldn't say the word feminist, like the word feminist was like bad. And I, I, I was like, I, I couldn't understand and it, it would make men angry. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, what, I don't understand, you know? And so I did an experiment one time because if you actually really, um, you know, take a deep a deep dive, <laughs> you know, you have to ask somebody, what is feminism, feminist, uh, what does it mean to you? What does feminism mean to you? You got to really define it. Um, I don't understand why if you use the word feminism, men get real angry. So I did an experiment one day because a kind of life for me is like an experiment. I'm like a researcher. (laughs) Like when things are going on, I get curious and I want to know why. So I'll read the books. I'll do the research. I've done a lot of research on feminism and, um, and that's why I've read a lot of these books and things like that. And I've experienced a lot of things myself, Uh, you know, I've been married. And so I I have like real world experience. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me do the research. So I I just put a shirt on one day and it said feminism. And I walked around with, it was pink. It was really cute. I had my hair and makeup done. I was just like, let me just see what happens. And all throughout the day, I would say uh, there was, okay. So I would say, there was about 80% of the men were like really happy I had the shirt on and coming up to me and being really nice and pleasant and just having like nice conversations with me. And they seemed really loving. And then there was like 20% of the men were like, angry and being mean and it it felt like a very abusive vibe and like even one guy like slammed a door in my face and I was like oh my gosh (laughs) I was like what is going on and I kind of like made the decision at the end of the day I was like well I was like maybe I was like hey if I'm in the dating pool just put the shirt on and then it'll be I can clearly see you know who's abusive (laughs) know. It was really crazy. I had like this whole bizarre experience all day long. And so, because I had that little experience, I said, Oh, I understand. Now I see, um, why the word feminism, uh, feminist, right. Whatever, um, brings out, you know, for some men, I don't know why I don't know why they get so angry but it brings out a lot of anger in some men and so that was really an interesting um that was an interesting day for me. And I was actually, so, it, and and those men that were really aggressive and angry with me, it made me scared, you know? So it made me scared to put it on again, but I don't understand. But then, of course, there was a lot of really loving men who, you know, were happy I had it on. <laughs> so, but it was like a little small minority of them. And I don't know what it is that, you know, brings that out in some men. So that's an interesting topic to talk about. But I think the first um, point of conversation should be, uh, you know, what does it mean to you? You know, what does it mean to you, right? Um, I know naturally myself, I'm more of a leader. I'm very athletic. Um, I'm someone who is an assertive personality and I like to speak up and I like to have my presence known. Like I'm here. I don't want to have to hide and diminish myself, but it doesn't mean that I'm not a woman, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, a hundred years ago, women driving cars was seen as very masculine. You know, I mean, I, I have a motorcycle. I drive a motorcycle. I, I think it's fun. I don't necessarily think, oh, it's oh masculine thing to do. Actually really fun to drive. motorcycle. I like it. And it's really cool to be a business owner, you know, so it's like, you know, I just love having these type of conversations with people. And it's always great when, you know, you can really open people's minds. And I feel like if you were to actually if anyone was really to do a real deep dive into, you know, some issues facing women and take a a deep dive. You know what I mean? I'm like, read some PhD (laughs) papers. you know what I mean? Like read some books. I mean, I think it's really going to expand your mind. And I don't think that people would be so threatened by the word feminism. And, um, for me, it's just very important that, You know, women especially learn leadership skills so that they can get out here in the workforce and they can earn a living and have a savings account and have some autonomy over their lives and power and be able to live their best lives. And so that when they get older, they're not in poverty. And even if they're older and having setbacks, they have skill sets to get back in the workforce and they can earn a living and not have to be in poverty. And that is what's so important uh, for me. You know, I used to be on, you know, welfare in poverty, and I know what that's like. It's very disempowering. Um, it's It's just a horrible place to be, especially if you have children. And if you really learn leadership skills, you learn how to empower your own life. And because I'm a humanitarian, that's for everybody. If we can really teach leadership skills to people, we teach people how to empower themselves. And that's what eradicates poverty, you know, and that's like, you know, that's what I really that's the message I always want to spread because, you know, I believe in, you know, teaching people how to fish. Right, and not giving a person a fish, because every time you just, you know, enable somebody, keep giving, giving, giving. If you don't give them those hard skill sets of learning, you know, courage, grit, perseverance, you know, um, you know, you know, that leadership skill of just being able to, you know, which is courage, being able to step out and say, I'm going to get that degree despite no support from my family. Like that's courage. Okay, that's a leadership skill, right? Now I've no, I got a whole episode on courage, but I'm hoping and I pray to God that, you know, this podcast, this episode is really going to touch somebody's heart. It's going to open somebody's mind. And this is coming so deep from within my heart based on experience. And, you know, I truly believe that all lives have equal value. And at the end of the day, I'm a humanitarian. And I have three sons <laughs> and I teach them to be strong. And what I love the most about them is that, you know, the number one trait they look for in a woman is strength, you know, and this is what I tell them. I say, you know, it's like, you don't What I said, you know, I said, if you're a strong man, then you're going to want a strong woman, <laughs> right? Because maybe one day you're not doing so good <laughs> and you might need some help. So you need your strong woman to have your back. Right. And so that's, That's the message I give my sons and it's so awesome that they support me and they support everything I do and I support them and everything they do because their mama has learned some leadership skills and I have empowered my own life. So take care, everybody, and happy national, National Women's Month.